Thank you for joining us at Living Water Community Church's podcast. We're glad that you're here. We want you to know at Living Water that God loves you just the way you are, but He loves you way too much to leave you there. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Hey, good morning, guys. Thank you so much for joining us online this week. Um, if you have not seen, this is our last Sunday online for this go-around. So next Sunday, we're back in our building. We're back in person. We want you guys to come and join us. Over the past couple months, we've gained a lot of church family that has been joining our online services. And if that's you, man, we hope and we pray that we get to meet you guys face-to-face. We would love to get to see you and get to know you next Sunday morning here in person at the church at 10 a.m. Now, this morning, I just want to share a quick message and a, and a quick scripture um, of a story that I think most of you guys are probably familiar with. But it's a message that, that I think is super relevant and super timely for, for I know, my life and in probably a lot of your lives, too, if we were being honest. This morning, I want to share a message that's simply titled this. Don't rush the rescue. Don't rush the rescue. I'm going to read a scripture in just a minute, but, but have you ever felt like you were in a situation where you were stranded, a situation where you needed rescuing, a situation where you needed saving from? A couple of years ago when we were in college, Courtney and I both worked at the Boys and Girls Club in Benton, and we loved our time there. If anybody from Benton's watching, shout out Boys and Girls Club. We had a great time, and one, one day Courtney decided that she was going to take one of the girls that went to the Boys and Girls Club to Chattanooga, to Hamilton Place, and they shopped. I'm sure they spent way too much money. They ate, and they had a good time, and on their way back home, they're driving down I-75, and Courtney's car decides that uh, that it doesn't want to work anymore, basically, and so she pulls over on the side of the road. She was stranded. She needed rescue at this time. Um, I was working. Courtney's dad lives over two hours away. Um, luckily, I think that my dad was able to get there pretty quickly, if I remember the story correctly, but, but Courtney was stranded, Courtney was stuck, and Courtney needed rescue. Wasn't ideal for Courtney and a little teenage girl to be sitting on the side of I-75 coming back from Chattanooga. And I think that Courtney would even tell you that even though she hated the circumstances that were there, this time that they were sitting there allowed her to, to get to know this girl better. That This girl and Courtney had a great relationship, and they would share story and story. And, and, and it allowed Courtney to be a positive role model and influence in this girl's time. So while the situation was not ideal, there was still some positive that came from it. And I wonder as Christians, how many times we do the same exact thing. We rush the rescue and God is trying to show us, God's trying to show you and he's trying to show me that there is value in the wait. There is value in the wait. And that's not going to be popular. I'm probably not going to get a ton of amens and hallelujahs at this point right now. But, but can I tell you that there's value in the wait. And there's a story in the Bible where I believe that Jesus is showing us the characters in this story to show us to don't rush the rescue. Don't rush the rescue. I want to read a little bit of scripture. This is a long story. I'm not going to read it all. I'm going to kind of walk you through it and read just bits and pieces here and there in John chapter 11. This is the story of Lazarus. This is the story of Lazarus, of Mary, of Martha, of Jesus. Those are the characters in this story. And so as the story goes, just to, just again kind of to summarize something, what's happening is, is it starts off in verse one by saying this. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. 
He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured out perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Going on to verse 6. Jesus says, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Now, can you imagine Mary and Martha at this time? Jesus knows that Lazarus is sick. Jesus knows that Lazarus is, is, is about to die. And he says, ah, he's going to be fine. The sickness will not end in death. I'll be there in a couple of days. Now, I can only imagine if I would have told Courtney, hey, I know that your car is not starting right now, but just give it some time. Give it a little break. Let it rest. Try to crank it up here in about two days. And if not, I'll head that way. I don't think that would have went, went too well for me. But it's exactly what Jesus said. He says, hey, I know he's sick. He'll be fine. I'll be there in a couple of days. Going on through the story, Jesus gets to Lazarus. And he understands that, that Lazarus, verse 17, has already been in the tomb for four days. I challenge you guys to read all of these scriptures. I, I, the total story is John 11, 1 through 44. But Jesus discovers that Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. And Martha comes out when she hears Jesus coming and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Essentially, she's saying in our terms today, where have you been? Where were you? Why did you not show up? And Jesus replies in classic Jesus fashion. And he says, your brother will rise again. Like, calm down. Calm down, Martha. I told you way back when the sickness will not end in death. He's going to rise again. And Martha responds, I know he will rise again in the last day of the resurrection day. And Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. So he's telling her, hey, look, I've got this. I, I, I've got this. I know what I'm doing. And, and Martha is like, Jesus, where were you? And then later on down in the story, Mary says the same thing. Jesus, if you would have just been here, don't you know that our brother would still be alive? He would still be here with us. You wouldn't be talking about going to his tomb, but you would be sitting here enjoying dinner with him if you could have just showed up. And I think that it's so crazy, again, that Jesus, he's notified by Mary and Martha that this is happening. And, and he stays where he is for two more days. Why? Simply this, because God's timing is not our time. I believe there are a lot of times when we try to rush the rescue. And today I want to simply remind you that if you are currently in a place where you feel you need rescue from, that God knows what he's doing. Somebody today needs to take heart of that, to hold on to that through this storm, through this trial, simply this day. God knows what he's doing in your life. He knows what he's doing. He has a plan. And the hardest part of it is that that plan revolves around his time. Not your time, not my time. As much as we want it to, it revolves around his time. And we go on through the story, Mary and Martha saying, Jesus, where were you? If you would have just been here and Jesus sees Mary weeping, they're crying. They've just lost their brother. And I love this. I love this. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had came along with her also weeping, 
he was deeply moved in spirit and trouble. Now, you see, if you know this story, you know what he's getting ready to do. You know what comes next. You know the next scene in the play, so to say. But Jesus is moved in spirit. And it goes on to say, he, he says, where have you laid him? 34, come and see. They replied, verse 35, Jesus wept. Man, this is a God, this is a Savior who he, he knew he knows what he's getting ready to go do. He knows that he's about to go to that tomb, and I'm not going to spoil it for you, but he, he knows what comes next. And he sees them crying, and he cries too. Why is he crying? I believe he's crying not over the death of Lazarus, because he knows what he's getting ready to do. I believe that he's crying because he sees his daughters crying. And man, when you think of it that way, when you think of him as a father, who sees that his children are upset? Oh, it's comforting to me to think that when I cry, when I'm upset, it upsets Jesus. It's comforting to me to think that when my heart is troubled, his heart is troubled. Man, I can, I, there have been times when Marley cries, and there are times when Marley cries, and I'm like, please, somebody hit me the earplugs. But there are other times when Marley cries, and I'm just like, oh, baby. It just breaks my heart when she doesn't feel good, when she's sick, when she's, when she's got so much snot that she can hardly even breathe and she's not feeling well and she's getting three teeth at once and it's not going. She's, she's just sitting there crying and it just breaks my heart. And it, it's so comforting. It's so crazy to think that the creator of the universe feels that way about me and feels that way about you. He wept. And then there's some people in the crowd that say, Look at how he loved. But then you got those other people in the crowd that said, hey, if this guy can, can open blind eyes, can he, couldn't he have kept him from dying? Where has he been? Always two scenes to a crowd, right? In verse 38, let's start reading the story here. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. I love this, and I wrote this down, that, that Jesus tells them to take away the stone. He's not moving the stone. He tells them to take away the stone. Why is this? Here's why. It's because he didn't put it there. So he's not going to move it. I feel like he's trying to show us and trying to show them there are a lot of things in your life that you are already proclaiming as dead and covering it with a stone. And I am saying, what are you doing? Take away the stone. There are a lot of people that have already put the stone over their marriage and proclaimed it dead. And Jesus is saying, take it away. There's a lot of people that are ready to put a stone on their finances and say, it's too far gone. I have no hope. And Jesus said, take it away. You put the stone on your kids. And Jesus is saying, take away the stone. But the Lord said to Martha, his sister, or the sister of the dead man, by this time, there is a bad odor. He's been here for four days. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Whew. Somebody needs to say that today. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe 
that you sent me. In verse 43, when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his head and his feet with strips of linen, wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Man, this is a story that, that gosh, you know, it, it wrecks me. It, it blows my mind because, because, you see, Jesus knew what was happening with Lazarus. He knew that Lazarus was sick. He knew, again, because he knows all, that Lazarus was going to be dead when he showed up. But what did he do? He stayed where he was for two more days. You see, because everything that God does has a plan. Every step that he makes is not by surprise and it's not by reaction. God has a plan. And in this culture, he knew and realized, Jesus did, that if a person had only, if a person had died, they weren't considered really fully dead until the fourth day. Because they believed that, that in the first three days, that their body could just wake up, that spirits could intervene, that people could show up and, and perform miracles on this person. And so, so Jesus purposely waits till the three days are over. And then shows up on day four. And this is why Mary and Martha seem so desperate and so angry. And they say, if you would have just been here, you could have saved him. Jesus understood that he couldn't rush the rescue. He had to be patient in order for God to get the glory. And I'm afraid today that a lot of us are trying to rush our own rescue through our own methods. And you might say, Jake, what, what are some of those methods? And here's some things that I can think of. Somehow... We've, 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 we've changed the, the, the idea of who God is by thinking that if I raise my hands for longer, my rescue will come faster. If I pray in more big word, eloquent terms, he's going to hear me quicker. If I cry for longer each day at the altar, he's going to hear me and rescue me. But what God is saying to all of us is that those are not bad things, but every one of those things is void of the one thing that actually rescues us. And that is Jesus. That is Jesus. A lot of us are trying to rescue ourselves. You're trying to pull yourself up out of the hole. You're trying to dig your way out of the clay. You're trying to get out of the rut and of the storm on your own. But Jesus is saying, if you don't call on me, I can't show up. You see, a lot of people individually and a lot of churches congregationally have somehow given the idea that we can sort of force the hand to get a move of God that we can sort of if we sing long enough if we preach good enough if we pack it big enough that we can force a move of God and that's the exact reason why people come into church and leave church the exact same way they came because they came to a concert and to a program and they didn't encounter a move of God and you see what we have to understand is that if God doesn't move it's all for nothing it's all for nothing. There's no message that I could ever preach. There's no song that James could ever sing that can change your heart. But if God shows up on the scene and God moves, anything is possible. And this is exactly what he does in this situation here. You see, you see, Mary and Martha are saying, God, where were you? All hope is gone. Day three has came. And I can imagine as they went to bed on day three, they're like, I guess it's not going to happen. I guess it's just not in the cards for Lazarus to come back to life. And I wonder how many situations you're living right now in day three 
and you're, you're getting ready to go to bed on day three and just say, I guess it's not meant to be. I guess it's just not meant to be. I guess it's not meant to be for me to get that job. I guess it's just not meant to be for me to do this or to do that or to achieve this or to graduate or to go to that school or, or to do this or to have a kid or whatever it might be. And it's day three and, and you're getting ready to just lay your head down and go to bed and say, all hope is lost. Can I encourage you today that there is a day four? And in day four of this story, Jesus shows up, man. Jesus shows up and, and everything changes. Everything changes. He walks up and he says, where have you laid the man? Remove the stone. He walks into this tomb and he says, Lazarus, get up. Get up. Get out of your bed. Get out of the grave clothes. You see, because when God shows up, Anything is possible. What the sisters didn't realize and what I believe that today we're still struggling to grasp is simply this, that God has no boundaries. He's not limited by my failures. He's not limited by what we consider to be normal. He's not limited by how long you think church should last. He's not limited by how many songs you think that we should sing. He's not limited by how many or how few you see because God, when he shows up, Miracles happen. When he shows up, lives change. When he shows up, salvation occurs. But we are living a life where we are saying, God, when I'm rushing my rescue, I don't need you. And that's why it's so important that we don't rush the rescue. Because when God shows up, somebody needs to hear me today. When God shows up, grave clothes have to loosen. When God shows up, Chains have to break. When God shows up, bondages have to be broken. You see, when God shows up, healing has to happen. When God shows up, addictions are dropped. When God shows up, marriages are restored. When God shows up, cancer has to flee. When God shows up, COVID has to run. When God shows up, anything is possible. When God shows up, the dead man comes to life, but we have to understand that we can't rescue on our own. We cannot rescue ourselves. We have to quit rushing the rescue and say, God, if you don't show up, I'm helpless. I'm hopeless. I'm broken. I'm beaten. And I'm crushed. When's the last time that we were desperate for God? When is the last time truly that you were desperate? You said, God, if you don't show up, I, I, I'm not going to be able to make it. That's exactly where Mary and Martha were in this situation. They were saying, Jesus, we know that you're great. But where were you? You could have saved him. You could have brought him up and healed him. But again, the sisters as close as they were to Lazarus, as close as they were to God, what they didn't understand, and what I'm afraid of a, lot, a lot of us still don't understand, is that God's timing is not my time. God's ways are higher than my ways, and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. In this story, we see a man who is literally dead come back to life. Why? Well, it's simple. Because God showed up. And if God will just show up, there is restoration. 
in the rescue. There is resurrection in the rescue. There is a recharge in the rescue. There is a renewal in the rescue. But if God doesn't show up, we're doomed. We're hopeless. We're helpless. We're beaten. We're broken, just like Mary and Martha. And you say, Jake, what are you trying to get me to understand today? I hear this story. It's a powerful story of Lazarus. But what I want you to get today is two things. That we cannot rush the rescue. God knows what he's doing. God has a plan. And God has a purpose. And secondly, there is no rescue without God. And so I would challenge you, maybe you can be honest and say, I couldn't tell you the last time I've done this. I would challenge you with your family, by yourself, whatever it might be, to spend this week, this week, Sunday to Saturday, Sunday to Sunday, whatever you want to call it, and pray for a move of God to, to fall down on our service next Sunday, to pray for fire from heaven to fall down and say, God, we're believing for lives to be changed. God, we're believing for rescue to happen. We're believing for restoration to happen, for resurrection to happen. God, we're believing you for salvation. We're believing you for healing. We're believing you for renewal. And God, we are asking for a move of God to show up at Living Water next Sunday morning. And I will guarantee you that if our church will be dedicated this week to spend some time and say, God, we need you to move. He's faithful. He is faithful. But what's happening is we come into church and we leave and we say, God, you didn't move. And he replies, uh, Jake, you didn't ask me to. Just like he tells them, you take away the stone. I didn't put it there. He's looking at us and saying, I can't. You, you didn't ask me to move. You didn't. You didn't. I guess you thought you could do this Sunday without me. I guess you thought you were good for this week. Don't rush your rescue. We need God to move in our lives. Be patient. Trust God and watch him show up for the rescue. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. God, thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that I serve a Savior who cares enough about me to rescue to save me and to restore me. And God, I pray today that we would understand that we can't rush our rescue. That you know what you're doing, that your plan is not my plan and your timing is not my timing. But God, one of the hardest things about being a Christian is for us to simply say, God, I'm taking my hands off of the reins and I'm trusting you. I'm not going to rescue myself. I can't rescue myself. And so, God, whenever you get ready, whenever you get ready to move, God, I'm here. Whenever you're ready, God, I'm ready. I pray that that would be our prayer today, God. Whenever you're ready, I'm ready. Don't rush the rescue. We trust you, God. And we believe that you are who you say you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.